Welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. It was a crazy weekend in sports, Evan, but as always before... Shout out to our music. That's Man in the Mirror, JD Masters, and Buddha. Go check them out. YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music, anywhere you stream our podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Stitch, or Google, you'll find our good buddies, JD Masters, and Buddha there as well. Evan, like I said, crazy weekend in sports. Uh, is your heart rate down? How you feeling? I, I, I think we all know a little bit of how you're kind of feeling, uh, and we're going to talk about that, but just overall... You know, what, what, what's the vibe in the Ryer mindset right now? It's just been, like you said, absolutely crazy. Um, you know, there were actually, it was like funny, I was talking with uh, like my cousin and some friends of just like, because there's some, you know, other like TV shows and stuff that have come out this past week. And literally, it's been so jam-packed with sports, you know, this past weekend and, and the few days before that, that I'm j- I've just been like, Look, I'll get to it when I get to it, but we're in that one, you know, we're in that period right now from like mid June to, you know, mid July where it's just it, until the end of the MLB All Star break and NBA Finals essentially where things are just, you know, crazy. And, and when you've got, you know, obviously uh, uh, the Euro 2020 tournament thrown in the mix, uh, we didn't even ever touch on the Copa America, which is like an equally sized soccer as, tournament. As deal, absolutely. But, but, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I love it. Like personally, especially after. Oh, how can't you? Absolutely. Right. Like after 2020 and stuff like that, I, you know, this last summer's, uh, you know, major soccer or, uh, you know, general sporting events just didn't quite feel the same. Nothing felt the same. So to see fans at a lot of this stuff, I mean, like they said, like 65,000 people at Wembley for that, uh, England, Italy match. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's a joy to see. Yeah, the city of Milwaukee showed up in our NBA Finals, which we'll get to right after. Uh, you know, I just want to say too, this is my also favorite. It was pretty much one of my always favorite times, like growing up when you know when you're kind of middle school, high school, don't really have as much. You know, we're not working, not really big job responsibilities. This was like my favorite week stretch because I always you now they did the ESPYS a little bit weird, but like it was the Monday. You had the home run derby, and I loved watching the All Star softball game after. Then you know you had the home run derby on a Tuesday, then you had the ESPYS on Wednesday, and then you had everything in between, right? And the NBA Finals are a little different this year because the schedule started a little bit later. So technically, we're getting a little bonus basketball this late in July. But game three last night, huge win for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I mean, you want to talk about fans showing up in Wembley too? Like Milwaukee dog was rocking. That reminded me of like, like, like I don't want to maybe throw the, the disrespect on the people of Utah for what they did in the 90s, but that place was loud. The little bit I was able to tune in, like Milwaukee was rocking last night. And they got the big win that they needed. Yeah, I think I think you knew that that was going to be, you know, in terms of the entire damn series, I would say that was going to be the toughest game for the Suns to win. First game back in Milwaukee, 
you know, they're, they're you know, uh, it's one of these things where it's not an elimination game, but they go down 3-0. You might as well feel eliminated even if you don't lose game four. Yep. And and Milwaukee's fans, yeah, showed out. I mean, there was there's no question about that. I, I only probably caught about a quarter and a half uh, due to work, but – but I mean, it was it was like you said. It looked like a uh, a really vivacious atmosphere, which you know I, I it, it, that's one of the nicer things about this finals matchup when you really think about it, because you know whether it's Suns and Four Guy or just in general, whenever you've watched the Suns been playing over the you know over the uh, the the playoffs this year, you know their their atmosphere has been really really strong all all playoffs. And Milwaukee's has been strong as well, but yeah, nothing like last night. And, you know, I, I don't know if how, you know, I don't know if that necessarily uh, inspired, you know, Milwaukee to play as well as they did for Giannis to go off like he did. I think that was going to happen either way, mm-hmm. but I definitely do think uh, it, it played a factor in the Suns, you know, probably having their worst game in probably a series and a half. Yeah, that was, I mean, Devin Booker's struggles were very evident from the beginning. I think he went like three or three of 16 or four of 16, uh, something like that. So obviously, you know, it, it's, it, it could, could have been different if Devin was maybe on. Yeah, may, maybe so. But I mean, anytime you're going to get 40 points from Giannis in back-to-back games, good things are going to happen. Now, the big key, I think, of obviously is what happened in Game 3 is that Middleton and Drew Holiday did their part to not have to put the whole weight of the series' shoulders on Giannis. So they came in and played a good uh, a good supplemental role and chipped in chipped in some points. I'm trying to pull up their box score. Yeah, 21 from Holiday and uh, Middleton with 18. It's... It's exactly exactly what the doctor ordered. If you're Milwaukee, and here's and the thing is about it now too is there's a very good chance that Milwaukee could capture that momentum. This goes two two back into Phoenix. I think it goes for Game Five. I mean, it, it, it's tough to win in Phoenix, and I think it's it'll be Phoenix Phoenix's series to lose at this point because they have the home court advantage, but. I, I, this goes two two. Like you absolutely have to have the mindset that the Milwaukee Bucks may just spoil Chris Paul's best chance of ever win, winning an NBA final. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not an impossibility. I mean, if they make it, if they take it even going into Phoenix, I you know you you I I would definitely not be uh, uh I would definitely not be super confident as a Phoenix fan because yeah, at the end of the day, Giannis is still the best player on the court. You know, even even if he's hurt, even if, you know, Devin Booker is having an amazing game, you know, Giannis at the end of the day can break games open. And 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 when he's like that, you know, it's 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 either a win or at the very least he can go, you know, uh, shot for shot with with Devin Booker on the other side. Um, I, I, I really do think the game four is going to, you know, kind of determine who I think is going to end up winning the series coming into it. I. I, I, I personally thought the Bucks were going to do it. And then with the way that, you know, Phoenix has played in those first two games, I, I was thinking, oh, well, okay, Devin Booker actually, you know, he's here. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and Giannis is, is not quite there yet. I mean, if Milwaukee makes it 2-2, I'd have a very hard time uh, uh, picking against them going forward. But at that same time, 3-1 for Phoenix feels insurmountable too. Yeah, it, so, it go, I mean, goes back home to Phoenix, yep. It's like a, it's a, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's a huge, huge match. I mean, it's, 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 it's these two games, games three and game four, were really going to decide, you know, obviously what kind of series we were going to have the rest of the way. And woof, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 Wednesday night's going to be uh, intense to say the least. Absolutely, and it, it, like I said, it's it's almost, and this is gonna sound really like uh, I don't know, kind of kind of a stupider take here, but I really do believe that if this does go three one, everything's gonna be leading in Phoenix's favor, obviously. But I, I don't know, I I, I don't think I don't think the Bucks go. I think the Bucks winning this game proves that we're not going down Suns and four, Suns and five. Like I think this could, this could easily go six or seven. I don't expect it to go any less. Like if Phoenix comes back, wins game four, uh, I would bet my mortgage that Milwaukee gets the big win in Phoenix. I'll be honest with you. And I, and, and it's, it goes against everything that we've been kind of agreeing on and saying, but after just watching what Milwaukee can do when they're putting it all together, it's, it's, like you said, it's it's hard to have to go against that. And yes, Phoenix, little off night. Booker, off night. Chris Paul uh, didn't really have too much help out there. But I will say, though, dude, DeAndre Ayton is so much fun to watch. That guy just dunks it all the time. Like, he's just a dunk machine. He's a highlight reel. And then Cameron Johnson's posterize of uh, of uh, P.J. Tucker was absolutely got ungodly. Yeah, that was, that was I, awesome. That, <laughs> That's assault, that, that, brother. When that happened, I thought I thought that that could have been the uh, the the proper you know momentum shift for good, but yeah, I mean yeah, the Suns the Suns just didn't follow that up the way they needed to. But like that that is honestly, other than Giannis dropping back to back forty point games, that is what I'm going to take away the most out of out of uh, game three was it's Cam Johnson yamming. Oh my Yam God, Johnson. Cam Johnson yamming. So uh, game four coming up on Wednesday in Milwaukee. Uh, be sure to stay stay with us. We'll talk about that as it comes closer. A nine o'clock tip off too on the East Coast. I know I know you're uh, you're out in Montana still as this moment, so it's not really a big difference to you. But like it's on ABC and working for an ABC station. Thankfully, I'm off Wednesday, but I know that most ABC stations do not like having nine o'clock tip offs because that means our eleven o'clock news is going on late. So shout out to all the ABC PM newsers who are going to be. Up until midnight, one you know, midnight twelve thirty, wrapping up their shows on Wednesday night. God bless them. Yeah, that's a uh, that's tough. I'm gonna. That's something that I've like. I, me and Dom have talked about, and like something I've joked about with other family members is how much I'm gonna miss being in Mountain Time uh, for sports reasons exclusively. I mean, the you know, being able to uh, to to see every single football game before midnight. Mm-hmm. Like and then, and then you game. still, that's oh, the best man. part about mountain time for me is like, I would watch like, say like COVID, right. And the UFC was the only thing happening or a football game. I still had time to watch it. And I had the rest, like I still had a very good portion of my day. And even at night I had a good, very solid portion of my night. It's like 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock when I'm getting out the bar rather than, you know, midnight, 1230. It's, it is joyous out in the mountain time. They do really have, I think the most underrated time zone in the whole continental United States. Yeah, I uh, I dig it big time, and I will miss it. But onwards and upwards. Yep, and I think it's time we talk a little footy, cause uh, <laughs> folks, it is it is not coming home. It is not coming home. Dude, Ian Dark actually said it's coming Rome on the fucking broadcast. That was awesome. That goosebumps, I, goosebumps. I really, really thought about quitting the podcast <laughs> and just sports 
in general when Ian Dark said it's but coming right. Yeah, yeah, Evan's like, I'm going to go back and get my accounting degree. I just want nothing to do with the sports world anymore. Well, it's just that that call, like, there were a lot of people on Twitter and stuff like that that said it's coming to Rome or whatever. And it's like, I'm glad we're all fucking so smart. We can make the same. All, like, five million of us can all make the same joke at once. Um, but, but, I mean... I, uh, I, the thing is, is like, don't get me wrong. I, I think I've said this on the podcast. I think coming in, I was definitely rooting for England, not due to any real nationalistic or, you know, uh, reasons or anything, but just because I purely liked England's team. And also England has suffered so much heartbreak when it comes to the national team over the past, no joke, 50 five years right so of course there's more heartbreak to be had like that, uh, i think that that's the thing that sucks the most as a, a fan of italy like and i texted evan this yesterday when we were both kind of chatting about the game it's like any other team like I, and i said it on the podcast prior whether it was england or denmark italy was going to be the team that nobody was going to root for because if it's denmark you have the christian erickson line and everyone's going to root for denmark and i get it it's been a lot since since england has won it was it 66 yeah and it was like that six, was their last major trophy yeah and it, and, it, and it had been since 68 i believe since italy won the euro so it's it, I, it, it sucks it sucks that like because on any if it's england versus anybody else i'm rooting england and everybody is but it's italy and i feel for england fans because that just felt like the moment right in a packed wembley sixty-seven thousand plus in your hometown the moment on the line they come out with that two minute goal but you know i just they do the We've said it from the beginning, man, and this Italy team, 34 now, unbeaten match streak. So much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they just, they have a they have a different, um, I would say their mentality was really, truly the winner here, because, and, and this isn't really a criticism of England's manager, Gareth Southgate, because that dude gets a ton of criticism that I think and is he, And he's a, getting a ton of it right now, too. Well, because, so England scores, you know, in the second minute, and... You know, really, the the common, you know, shared idea among soccer fans and you know so- the soccer community in general is that if you score early, you it's really really vital. You know, sometimes you can hold on, sometimes you can hold on, but in international soccer, especially where goals kind of just pour in out of all different shapes and sizes, you know, you you have to make that 2-0. You have to try and push that lead as high as you can make it because, you know, if you've got Italy on the back foot, that's a rare thing that happens. I do think that that's a valid complaint, but I don't necessarily know if that's Southgate's fault as much as it is sometimes just things not working out and English players, you know, not quite uh, being forward-thinking enough. Um, Whereas Italy, you know, I mean – you go down, you go down 1-0 and two minutes in, you know, in some cases, you know, you would think, okay, so that's pretty demoralizing. That makes me feel terrible. But anyone that knows Italy, anyone that's been following it is knows that this team is, is filled with just like, whether it's the veterans or the younger players, kind of a tenacity that, that you know, is, is that, I don't know if it's necessarily uncommon. I think it is common, but it's at least shared by all of them, whether it's, you know, Giorgio Chiellini, who's, you know, the, the, the top dog and the dude who's been on that team since, you know, he's like 21 years old and he's like 35 now. He's been there forever. Or if it's Federico Chiesa, who is, you know, I mean, 23 years old and just an absolute live wire in every sense of the word. I, I mean, Chiesa had a great opportunity to win that game. And it's probably I thought just he did. A, 
I had that 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 one touch, just a, a, a little bit different on the touch, and uh, we're, we're talking, I think, a completely different story. But he's a lot of fun to watch, and it, it's funny to me that, and I I don't say this because. Uh, I'm dissing uh, Insigne in, in any way possible, but for a guy that wears number ten, as a somebody who doesn't know him or really watches soccer as intently as you do, Evan, it is funny to me to see Italy really like do as well as they did, and they're not getting like the goal production out of Insigne. Like it's just yeah, he he must be doing his role that I'm just not like I'm not seeing right. Like he's taken out Bellotti came in and subbed out for him. So you're taking out the guy who wears number 10. And for a basic soccer fan like me, that's like, why are we not? Why are we taking him out? Like he should have the ball. Let him go do work. But I apparently I'm just missing something where it's that's not his style. He, he facilitates in much different ways than I can comprehend. Well, he's, um, you know, uh, Insigne has been with he's been with Napoli forever. That's the, the club he's always been with pretty much and he's he's you know extremely quick really solid passing incredible touch and has a knack for like a wonder goal although he doesn't necessarily score like tons and tons of goals evident by by his tournament but he did score that absolute banger in the in the previous match um the uh the or the uh, i guess it was the quarterfinals um, oh the, the Be- belgium, belgium yeah he, the curler into the outside the box. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what he's capable of in terms of he can pull that out of his hat every now and again. But in general, he is he is almost – he is like Messi without the, like, unbelievable goal scoring. Like, that is in a lot of ways what his, his type of, you know, uh, play is. And he's been a mainstay of the, the Italy team since, like – I think since like twenty, like twenty fourteen or so. So um, he, I, I think it's kind of, I think it's that veteran experience a little bit. I think mm-hmm. that plays a factor because, you know, and, and I think in general, I mean, he's he's just done well enough. Um, but but yeah, I mean, Chiesa is is kind of different where it's every time that dude's on the ball, you you can't look away. I mean, he's, he, hey, he he's he is to, to a T. He's he's lightning in a bottle. He is the literal. Yeah, he's exactly. Italy's lightning in a bottle. Uh, yeah, it was, and sure. like you said, it was awesome to see Chilini get it as well. And I'm having a debate right now too. Is like, do I name my first? Like, and my last name is Tibbets, and that's going to have to change after yesterday because I don't know if I name my first poor son Gianluigi Donnarumma or if I name him Lorenzo or uh, yeah, if I uh, Leonardo Benucci. Uh, I don't know. Both names kick ass. I like Benucci a little bit quicker because it's got more snap of the finger. But I'm in a debate now where my future wife is going to be like, wait, your last name is Tibbets? Like, uh, it's not any. More. It's about to be Benucci or Donnarama. You pick, because that's what we're naming our firstborn son. Yeah. Um, just to get a little bit further into the match, too. Obviously, it goes to penalties, which sucks. Nobody ever wants to win or lose on that because it doesn't feel, you know. And I saw a lot of people complaining, saying like, "We got to get rid of penalties. We got to figure out something else." And trust me, I would love. I love that. I, I would love to get rid of penalties. But at the end of the day. At the end of the day, the one thing that you can say about penalties is that the drama in the theater of it is just absolutely insane. Like, I mean, absolutely. There, like, there's there's nothing else drawing. like it. There's nothing like else like it in sports. It, 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 it like, is truly the most unique, like, heart racing. Like, it's a, it is the most heart. Like, my heart was pounding. I had, like, that was like me watching the Bills in, like, a playoff game times 10. And, that, and that's immense so for me to say. I feel so bad. I feel bad for a lot of folks that also get to, but I feel so bad for Jordan Pickford, England's goalie, who, you know, Jordan Pickford coming into this tournament 
really needed this. He really needed to have like a really strong tournament because internationally it had always been underwhelming. His club career was starting to kind of stall, and people were starting to wonder, oh, man, is this guy should he even be playing for 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 Ever- Everton at this point? I mean, he's right. you know, he's not that good. So for him to have the tournament he had, he was exceptional all tournament. And then, you know, to save two penalties, if you save two out of five penalties as a goalkeeper, you expect to win. You expect to win that. Mm-hmm. And you don't – I mean, that that just sucks for the dude. But And, and, uh, he, and he made – like, uh, I'll give him credit too. He, like, obviously, like, as we mentioned, when Chiesa had that one touch and, uh, you know, just – Pickford's making just unbelievable stops. His his awareness of where he was situationally, I thought at times was better than Donnarumma in that match as well. And yeah, as you said, like I think anytime you don't allow two out of the five penalty kicks, your expectation should be to win. That's right, easy money, and it, it could be said for Italy as well. And that that's a tough one too. But I wanted to ask you as well because one I've been hearing a lot of chatter about is um, why England didn't put Sterling in the. Uh, it, it, in the penalty kick rotation. So how that kind of works, right, is there is never really for any team. I mean, certain managers do have like a, a specific 11 that they that they put out in terms of, of who's going – the order of the penalty kick takers, and they say this is what's going to happen, and that's that. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's, it's actually kind of a mix between what the manager wants and what the player's – want to do so this is kind of where we get into you know we'll learn about this in a book in like six years kind of territory uh be, or you know even if even if you get a response in a press conference about it i right. still i still think a tell book would be the real story of why it shaked out the way it shaked out but so really what that comes off as is it, it, it does come off as Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish, uh, who who is who's you know a bit more of a veteran on that England team, and who takes a ton, who's taken a ton of penalties over his career. For neither of them to step into that five spot, and for instead a 19-year-old Buyako Saka, who is awesome, he's a he's an incredibly talented young player, but 19 years old and taking the biggest like touch of a football in his life in that moment. I mean that is easily the most important thing he's ever done with a with a soccer ball in his life. Is Most definitely, to take that penalty. But if you're and, also soccer though, like wouldn't you want that opportunity though? Well, I think I think he probably that's the thing is I think you know they, I think I think he he probably was like yeah I'll definitely take five like I'll definitely do it. And, and yeah, and, and who wouldn't who wouldn't want to do if, if you're if you're a true athlete and you are as good as what the England hopefuls you know what England hopes you are then yeah I would expect I would absolutely that that's what I was a little like people are like why does he take in this why give it to him like all broadcast long the announcers were singing his praise and obviously you know it, it, it backs it up with the skill and his record outside for you know outside when he plays for the England national team some sometimes I mean that could have been if the touch is different. We're talking about a whole different storyline. All of a sudden, Saka might be the greatest soccer player that we're about to start learning about. You know, it's it's it, it was the 50-50 of how we're going to perceive him moving forward, regardless. And I think that's a little it's a little unfair to throw a, 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 any sort of uh, any sort of criticism on him in that moment because I mean it it, it, it takes guts. It takes balls, and it takes a lot of tenacity to step up in that moment and even just have the nerves to put a foot on the ball. I think I would, Charlie, 
If I'm in that situation, I easily Charlie Brown it. I swing and miss, and then I'm done. And then I have to move to, like, Serbia because I won't be welcome to my country anymore. Yeah, I mean, you could see the heartbreak on his face. I mean, it was absolutely, you know, brutal to look at. And, and it really, really sucks, too, because, you know um, – you know, at the you know, obviously racism is a global thing, and and it's been a huge talking point in England, in the you know, in Europe at large over the past you know year, with you know, kind of the you know, with the summer of 2020 being you know a lot of uh, there being you know a rise in American police brutality, there was kind of a a rise in global consciousness of of you know uh, racism and different things like that. So you, for example, you had a lot of Premier League players. Uh, they they would kneel before matches over the past season. English players have been kneeling before international matches uh, for the past you know year or so too. And Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling and all those dudes get a. If you go look at their Instagram accounts, I mean it is like half the con. It's like LeBron James. Like you, it is just nothing. Like half of the comments are just absolutely like mm-hmm. you know like. You know, I mean, really, really hard to look at. Like, maybe they may not be saying the N-word or whatever, but the amount of just negativity, the amount of criticism that they receive, even on their good days, is is insane. So, for for Rashford to go up there and miss a penalty, I was really, really sad about that. And then with Saka, a 19-year-old, I mean, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that that was the thing that kind of broke my heart about it was was just knowing that, Man, they are about to absolutely get flamed because it seems like, you know, I mean, this isn't just England underperforming in a major tournament. This is England losing, you know, again, with, <laughs> which, again on it, penalties. It, it, you know, it, it's it's even another thing that's like, OK, well, we at least made our first five penalties and then, you know, like our our center back you know, missed it or whatever. It's like, okay, well, you know, that's, that makes sense. I guess someone's got to lose, but to lose in the fashion they did, I mean, it's just, it's brutal. And, uh, and that's the thing is that I, I, I'm saying this just because it's like a, a, I think a major talking point, but I'm not saying it to, to take away from Italy in any way. I mean, Italy fully, fully deserved, uh, fully deserved this tournament and, and showed why, you know, really they were, the favorite after the group stage. I mean, they they just cannot lose right now. Um, they the story the, the storylines for them, I think, are just uh, really cool right now too. Because obviously, you know, when you it was it a couple years ago when they failed to even qualify for the World Cup. You know, yeah, first, I mean that's like that's just, that's shame, a, that's so a, shameful in Italy. And then you know, here's one thing that a lot of people really aren't talking about. You want to talk about a country that was ravished by COVID nineteen? I mean, yeah, when, when sure. this started, like Italy was like it looked like we were going through the bubonic plague again like the number of thousands of people dying from covid in italy and you know that, that's the thing that when i saw them all celebrate that, that's the, kind of the first thing i thought of and i'm like you know that's cool that's a cool moment for the country of italy obviously in any time but just for what they've been through in the last year because of covid and then yeah you add on the fact they didn't qualify for the world cup uh it, it, you know prior and back in 2018 it's a magical moment and i i don't think anything is going to over i don't think Whatever's going on, like you're saying, with England overshadows it at all, and I don't think anybody takes it away. But there, it, it, it is worth to mention that there are some problems that, obviously, that you know Rashford and Saka and all these guys are getting on uh, on their social media that just 
Uh, it's it's it's, unfor- it's an unfortunate part of the game of soccer. It's a stain, and it, it stinks that we just can't celebrate the the craftsmanship of the game and what England and Italy were able to put on for us. I mean, that was so much fun to watch. That was such an entertaining game, and it sucks that we have to have this conversation, this kind of conversation. That, in a sense, to me, kind of belittles the 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 effort that each team gave out there yesterday. It it, it sucks. It, it, it's sports. I get it, but it's an unfortunate part of the world of sports for sure. Right. No. I mean, it's it's just it it sadly is a is still a, a a very vivid and very prominent aspect of reality and and and, and kind of just sports culture in general. Um, you know, I mean. I, and that's the thing is that, you know, obviously Italian fans care a fuck ton too. And, and, and probably there would have been some, you know, maybe, maybe not necessarily racial abuse, but, but there would have been some abuse directed their way if they had, if they had lost. But, right. but you, you know, you would, you, the thing oh, is, it all would have went to Giorgino too. That poor guy. Oh, it yeah. sucked so much to see him miss that fifth. Yeah. Giorgino, uh, kind of did have a, have a tough game. He kind of got saved in, you know, in in by times, winning yeah. that, that that match because he wasn't exactly the most. He wasn't at his best. He had a great tournament overall, but he wasn't necessarily at his best in that final. So, um, and, and and you know, and like you said, I mean, it's it's one of those things where Italy's gone through a, a ton. I mean, there's there was no like bad story here. Like there was no angle where it was like, oh well, you know, Italian dominance. They always do it. It's like no, it wasn't like that. It's just. It's just uh, England's heartbreak is really the consistent factor on this one, and, um, and but but I mean it was it was an absolutely exceptional tournament overall. I mean it was especially after not getting to have it last year. I mean I was I was so hungry for big time international soccer, and and it, and it definitely delivered. And the Cup of America delivered too. I know we didn't talk about it much, but I watched a, I watched a lot of the the knockout stages of that and. And uh, Messi getting a Messi, yeah, you know, just to, that's to, great, to bring this great. up, Messi, Messi getting that that trophy is a big, big deal for for those who don't know because he's always kind of uh, not underperformed, but he's never had luck at the international level. I mean, they, you know, they made the World Cup in 2014 against Germany and they lose 1-0, you know, in the 117th minute. You know, I mean, so so seeing Messi get that trophy was was really uh, really nice. I mean, I was rooting for Argentina. And, yeah. And, uh, and, no, I, and, I'm glad you brought it up because I think any even if you're not the biggest soccer fan, and even if you come from a perspective like me, that's also a great story. Like that, you want to talk about a, a guy big, that's a big deserved it? Yeah. Thing. That's a big legacy thing. And then also on top of that, just I guess wrap up soccer talk. Um, uh, the USA beat Haiti last night in the Gold Cup, so off to a good start there as well. Um, you know, the Gold Cup rosters, pretty much everyone, all the major teams are kind of fielding um, underpowered squads. Uh, you know, the, the U.S. didn't bring Pulisic or, or anyone like that to it because the Gold Cup is going to run up into the, the club season, and they've already had, I mean, soccer players in the past two years, you know, just to, to kind of – Go on a quick little tangent. Soccer, soccer players over the past two years haven't really had much of a break. Like, you know, they they had the season cut out in the middle of it due to COVID, right? And then they come back and play throughout the summer. And then a lot of the clubs, a lot of the club seasons in Europe started three weeks after the previous season ended. And then you hop into that full season, and then you hop into international play. So it's been, you know, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of shit since since you know uh, March 20, 2020. And, oh, and you can and tell because I mean the U.S. isn't even competing in Tokyo, I believe, right? I, I don't think 
they even they're fielding a team over in Tokyo for the Olympics. No, they, I, I do not think they are. That's that's. Yeah, know, I'm I looking mean, at it. No, the yeah, Tokyo the Olympics though is when it comes to winning soccer. You know, the the Olympics is really really not a big deal. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's one of those things where it's not it's not. Uh, which is which is which is funny because you think it would be because it's like it's the World Games, but I think it's because there's so much more. I think it's it's clear and obvious. There's just so much more emphasis on the other tournaments compared to the Olympics. I think, well, yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, so we've got the Olympics, which is every four years, and we also have the World Cup, which is every four years, and more people watch and and know about the World Cup and its details. Like, you know, I mean, it's that it's it's always going to be it's it's the Olympics could never ever compete with the World Cup in terms of just how much it means to uh, to nations and players and. And so, not to mention um, the Olympics are always in the Euros too. They're always going to be paired together. So, it's, right, right. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. So that, that that doesn't necessarily help either. So, yeah, but it's a uh, it's we've we've got the Gold Cup coming up. You know, if you're if you still got that soccer bug, you can watch the U.S. and you know still some some talented U.S. players, just not the stars you're used to seeing. Um, uh, try and try and go get a second major trophy, which the U.S. won and Mexico did not to open up the tournament. So, uh, good start, good start in that regard, since that'll be the number one uh, competitor for the for the Gold Cup trophy. Um, but but yeah, uh, and then now you know for soccer fans, it's it's still extremely exciting as well because you know even if you don't care about the Gold Cup, we've got basically three and a half weeks until you know the pro season starts up again. So I mean it is. It is soccer is one of those like never-ending sports. It never seems to uh, to ever really stop. So uh, uh, you know it's it's going to be exciting because we only like I said three or four weeks until you know Premier League and Serie A and League League A in in France and stuff like that are back. Hell to the yeah. So go USA. And for now, I'll say Viva La Italia, Forza Azzurri. Uh, that wraps up the first half of the show. But when we come back, we've got USC, the Home Run Derby, MLB talks. And we're actually going to talk about Addison Ray. So get your get the Savage Love Dance and your TikToks ready because we're about to come back with some fire. Right after the break, we got to make some money. We're going to the cash grab. Stay with us. This is Down and Out. What it do guys, Dom here, and the summer season is beginning to ramp up, and if you're like most Americans, you could use a good car wash and interior cleaning to get your whip feeling like a million bucks. You're going to need to turn some heads this summer, and the best way to get your ride nice and purdy is by taking it to Apex Auto CNY in Syracuse, New York. Mike and his guys excel in customer service and promise 100% satisfaction every time. Check out Apex Auto CNY. Y on Facebook and tell them down and out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of down and out underway, and we're going to talk a little UFC 264 McGregor Poirier the trilogy part three. Let's start right at the top, Evan. Is your ankle is your ankle still feeling weird? Because my ankles have been feeling weird weird since like Saturday night, and I don't I don't know how to deal with it right now. It, it has, and it, I I mean it just. I, let's let's just get to the point. It sucks. It sucks for a, a high-profile match to end like that. Anybody that is, I get why like people who don't like McGregor are like really stoked about it, or you know, and, and what have you. But but really, at the end of the day, like that, nobody wants to see that. That's not entertaining. That's not that's not feel good. Yeah. You know, I, and and also people who are saying that Poirier, like he caught like he 
I there's people trying to say that he like caused that, which I guess like in a way him being the other fighter in the fucking cage means that yes, he technically prompted McGregor to like step back. But from what I could tell, that was mostly just you know a bad break. Yeah, it's from and now McGregor he came out right in his post the post fight interview with Rogan and saying that it came off a check and or no Poirier was like yeah. I checked Connor and I could tell like I hit him right in the spot and it wasn't it wasn't at the moment people thought it was right before he took the stumble Connor went up with his left leg to try a high uh, a high leg kick and uh, Poirier's elbow just blocked it and it hit him like right in that sweet spot in between the bottom of your shin bone and your ankle and I think that's when he fractured it and then you know McGregor is fighting in the lightweight he has what one probably 145 150 pounds on him you put that much weight on your ankle if it's fractured yeah crumpled done so yeah I, I mean it's, that's just unfortunate it's the way it is Poirier did nothing wrong it's fighting you know that, that's what you get I will say though Conor McGregor like for a guy whose ankle was parallel, ninety degree angle, that dude was the most. I must have been his adrenaline bumping, but yeah, he dude, was he was so calm. calm. Holy, yeah, it was very weird. It was holy shit! <laughs> it was like, what, what about? Why are you? Why are you chill about this, Connor? Like your ankle like, is bent backwards. Like you, you have now a back. Like your heel is where your your toe should be. Like why are you okay right now? And the fat dude, and you know what? Give Conor McGregor all the shit. Call him washed up. I definitely think this this hurts his fighting reputation because it's definitely showing he's on the decline of his career. But man, you put McGregor on a main card for the next three to four, however long he wants to. I'm gonna tune in because only Conor McGregor, with his ankle turned to his back and 90 degrees, would still say your wife is sliding into my DMs later tonight as his ankle is just shattered. Only Conor McGregor would say that and be able to get away with it like he did. Like you, that's how you know the Poirier McGregor thing is. That's all real bad blood. There is no like showmanship. There is no entertain. There is no acting. That's real bad blood. And uh, only Conor McGregor could emulate that kind of that kind of stuff. So God bless Conor. I, I hope he recovers fast. But that was so so funny. That gave me such a good laugh after kind of a pretty lackluster way to end off a pretty good card. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, uh, I, it's you know, it's it, it, it's part of part of the sport, I guess. You know, I mean, I think that's uh, that's that's an obvious thing to say, but 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 it is uh, it's you know, we we as we'll get to with you know our boy Sean O'Malley. You know, I mean, it, it, it happens to, to it seems like it happens to everyone at least yeah. know, at, at points in their career, and and unfortunately for McGregor, it was in you know a pretty big spot. Uh, you know, obviously, it does seem like we're gonna get. McGregor uh, versus Poirier, like a fourth time. Oh, I, we absolutely will, because I think Dana White will he'd be so stupid not to. He'd be so stupid not to line that up somehow. The only thing I will say though, it's tough because Poirier, McGregor was the fifth lightweight contender. Poirier was the number one championship contender. Poirier has now earned his shot to go against Charles Oliveira for the lightweight belt. McGregor is now gonna like. That's the other thing too. It's like it, if Dustin accepts that fourth fight, he's going to have to go down and waste uh, an opportunity uh, and potentially here's the other thing too if that ever happens and Poirier beats Charles Oliveira which is a very difficult challenge but it can happen you're gonna go against McGregor and you have to give back your belt to probably what is the seventh or eighth contending lightweight in the UFC 
Like that's that. I don't know if Dustin really is going to want to accept it when that time comes around, though. Like they'll absolutely propose it, but I think if you're Dustin, you don't take it. You have nothing left to prove other than trying to get a paycheck. But you're going to get that now that you're a top contender in the division. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But even though you're going to get a paycheck, you're going to get. Aren't you going to get double to triple that paycheck if you fight McGregor? Again, more yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, more yes, yes. Yeah, not even more than likely, yes, you will. I just don't. I, I just think that's it. Sucks that Poirier could be the you know wh- whenever, however many months pass before he's ready and the Oliveira fight happens. If if that's if my prediction is right and he goes go, does go against Oliveira, whenever that may be, the fights after that, like. I, I don't know when McGregor's going to get back in. I don't know many, how, how many more fights he's going to be able to get in. Yeah, but, that's, but it's just, I think that's like Poirier is going to be factor. Poirier could be the top guy in that division. And like I said, he's going against McGregor, who maybe is sitting back in the fifth spot if he wins his next fight. I, I don't know. It's just to me, it, it's so lopsided. But I mean, that, that that's if you're Conor McGregor, though, you got to give him credit because that's what he's he has now deserved that kind of attention every time he gets in the ring. And it, 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 it's a tough. I'm just trying to speak from the technical. UFC standpoint, but from the entertainment value, dude, give me give me the part four uh, UFC 265. I don't even care about Connor's ankle. Give him a bionic leg for you know, and, and let's go let's go see you know Poirier McGregor part four in 265. Let's I'm just have an here arm wrestling it. match. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sit down in the middle of the octagon <laughs> and have an arm wrestling match. I, um, dude, Bruce but, Buffer would find a way to make that electric too. I love when Bruce Buffer gets on and just yeah it gets, it gets the whole mood set. Legend, legend before our eyes. It's 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 cool to get to see him still do his thing, um, but but so what I was gonna say was that yeah, I think it fully depends on McGregor's recovery time, and if that recovery time is, you know, you know a few months, you know for a fact that Dana and McGregor are gonna be pushing Poirier to like to say, come on, let's do this fight. Now. Yeah, McGregor. Let's McGregor said six weeks on his post, and I think he's uh, he's uh, he's uh, uncautiously optimistic if he's thinking six weeks is gonna be the proper time. I think to he's just there. trying to talk talk up, but yeah, but and, but I mean that's the thing is that you know Dana White's gonna say, look, you've got the title shot, no question asked, blah blah this, blah blah that, but I need you to, I need you to do this match again. Like I need, I need this for this part four because I, I, I mean, there's just too much money to be made there. And McGregor's clock is kind of ticking. Obviously, it's ticking. I mean, back to back losses, and and you know, it's recovery time is only going to cut into that too. So, you know, every chance that you can get McGregor out there, you know, Dana White's going to take that. I think. Yep. And so. So I, I I'll be curious to see if they if they allow uh, if if they say okay Dustin you can you can go you know go get your title shot first, but you're gonna have to take it back to McGregor. I mean I I, I don't think that necessarily makes sense either. I don't I don't think people would necessarily love that. But like you said, if McGregor's in a match, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean it, you know, it's it, just. It's it, it, either what either way, whatever, however you look at that argument, it, it's gonna happen regardless. So you know, if, if if you're thinking on the entertainment side, congratulations, you're gonna get your luck. If you're thinking on the technical side, you know, boohoo, Poirier could go beat Oliveira, and he's probably gonna get the belt. And here's the thing: if Oliveira wins, and Poirier probably goes down to the the three or the four after his loss to Oliveira, like yeah, absolutely. Then 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 it's no question, right? It, it yeah, absolutely becomes course, no yeah. question, you know. And and I, here's the thing I just thought of too. If you're poor, put yourselves in Poirier's shoes right now, Ev. You have the belt. You just beat Charles Oliveira. You're pretty much guaranteed that your next fight.
fight is going to make you probably twice to three times the amount of money against Conor McGregor, who's ailing just off an injury. You have part four, and you pretty much are almost going to be favored to, you know, I mean, favored it astronomically. You're almost guaranteed to get the win so long as you just keep doing what you're doing because Conor McGregor doesn't have it anymore. That is, in a sense, as I'm more I'm thinking about it, how do you pass that up? I don't think you can. You can't pass that up if you're Dustin Poirier. Yeah, I mean, no, you can't. I mean, that that makes perfect sense to me, and and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's 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 funny because obviously it's a win for for Poirier, but but at the same time, it's also like it's now going to be kind of prompting a a scenario where you would think that you're going to be put in a win-win after another huge W and a big big money match like that, but now it's kind of all right, well. I mean, it, there's, there's like, like we've been saying, a bit of an ultimatum, a bit of a, you know, there's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I right. Mean, as long as he keeps winning, it doesn't matter, I guess. But, but really, either way, it's, it's like, well, you know, I, I either can finally get this title shot, but then I know that I'm gonna have to, you know, face off against McGregor after that, or I can wait for the title shot and I have to play, I have to face uh, McGregor now, um, or, or as soon as possible, anyways, I guess. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see, and and yeah, you know McGregor's going to make every single step of the way, uh, either excruciatingly obnoxious or entertaining, depending on uh, your point of view. Oh, most definitely, and uh, you know I'll be looking forward to that part four when it happens. But for now, I will just say I think if that fight had happened too, just to wrap this up on my end, Poirier would have won that fight regardless. He yeah, looked dominant so from too. the beginning. I, I will I think, say that yeah. McGregor McGregor almost locked in the guillotine. I thought oh I, I, very quickly, very and but I think a lot of people forget how good Poirier is in ground defense. But even I got and I forgot about that too for a second. If they weren't up against the fence, I think that could have been it. I, yeah. I really do think that that could have been a a really and who maybe maybe three years ago four years ago McGregor doesn't get doesn't let him get out of that hole too maybe a younger McGregor yeah. doesn't let it happen as point. well so um, I, I think before we go talk about our boy Sugar Sean O'Malley I just want to say I dude. I bet on him one time when he was first starting as an, in an undercard in Montana when sports gambling was legal, and I haven't bet against him since, and I've always bet against him, and I, again, won because I love watching Greg Hardy get his ass kicked. Yep. And that was... No, yeah, I mean... Ty Tuvasa just... I mean, and Hardy had a nice shot on Tuvasa, and I understand why Hardy went in for the for the kill, but Tuvasa's a big boy. He, he took it, and he just struck Hardy, struck him hard with the right, and put him on his ass. And watching big men fall like that, I, I, I think it's a cinematic masterpiece. I need Michael Bay to direct the fall of Greg Hardy after Tuvasa put his right fist in between his eyeballs. That was glorious. So love watching Greg Hardy lose. That was that was sweet. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add there. I just wanted to, I wanted to just make my quick point that I love watching Greg Hardy lose. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always been fuck Greg Hardy, and it'll always be fuck Greg Hardy. So, uh, yeah, we're a big I'm, I'm fuck Greg Hardy podcast. Big, fu- yeah, that's our official stance, and happy to see him uh, get rocked. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because like UFC is not quite like the W. They share a lot of similarities. UFC and WWE. Like someone who grew up a huge WWE fan, there's a lot of like cultural things that are similar to uh, USC mm-hmm. and one of those is while of course like McGregor and, and is is kind of been the the fighter the and has kind of made that weight class the kind of prominent weight class while he's in it at the end of the day people like to see the biggest dudes face off 
and when big ass dudes face off, just like in the WWE, it's always it's always a spectacle. It's always entertaining, and and I I will say that fight delivered. But but yeah, that's mostly because again, Greg Hardy lost. So yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Tai Tuvasa, yeah. just real quick too. The Shuey, love him. The Shuey on stage or in the octagon, and the the yeah. Shuey beers walking out. That's great stuff. That that, yeah, that to me stuff. that's big that's big WWE energy right there like that's showmanship there, energy. Yeah, there's yeah I think that's really the the big thing that they share right uh-huh. is showmanship. Yeah. Um. All right. So wrapping up UFC talk, we're gonna go to our good boy, the Montana man, Sean O'Malley against Chris Mutino. Mutino taking the fight on about two weeks notice. O'Malley getting the job done, but. I mean, there was a part of me, Ev, where I was I was nervous for O'Malley because, like, he was winning the fight, like, brutally winning the fight, just hammering Mutino. But I, I don't know if Mutino, like, put, like, the magic soccer spray on his entire face and just wasn't feeling anything. But that dude has an iron jaw. Holy shit, he took so many goddamn punches. O'Malley set a record for highest hit rate in a UFC fight, and it still went to almost 30 to, to 30 seconds left in round three for him to win by KO TKO. Yeah, I mean, no, that's uh, it's it was it was like you, I think brutal is the best way to describe it because I mean, it's it really was like I, I, I it went on probably at least, yeah, I mean, it. it you know, you hit a point where you're just like, is this guy, like, is this guy out, is his jaw still intact? Like, yeah. is this man's face about to, like, slide off his skull? And I think because, Rogan you know, or, yeah, and Rogan or Cormier made a point, too. It's like, I think O'Malley was starting to get discouraged, in a sense. He's like, how can I not beat this guy down? Like, I'm hammering, I'm hammer-fucking this guy. Like, how can he, how is he not going down? He just would not. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it was uh, it was it was never really in doubt as long as O'Malley didn't make any huge mistake or or, you know, uh, didn't have bad, bad injury luck like he did, uh, you know, just about a year ago now, I guess. Um, so. So, no, it was it was definitely uh, an exciting one, though. And 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 very, you know, uh, obviously I was I, I, I was too late to watch the fight at the bar. I was I was still at home when I when I had the O'Malley fight on and but yeah when I got out to the bar of course Montanans were were that was the only thing people wanted to talk about was it was either going to be O'Malley or talking about how much Conor McGregor sucks that's the only thing I heard all night yeah so um sounds but, about right sounds about right out there the pretty hey but, he's a pride of hell in a Montana baby Sugar Sean man he's he's something else I mean he's he you know I think I think that fight last night does kind of show that he is somewhat limited as a fighter, there's a lot of things he still has to improve at if he really wants to be, you know, a an overall top dog. But, but I mean, just as a pure striker, I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he's a live wire. I'm trying to. I'm trying. Where is he? Uh, so he's out. He's out in the bantam weight. Where is he? Not even. Are they not even putting him in the top ten right now? That's disrespectful. Because uh, I, I want to know how many how many more fights does. Sean O'Malley have to keep winning here to get his shot to start playing against some real contenders. I'm not talking title. I'm not talking title. I'm talking like top five, you know, contenders that help him get up in there. I catch you can't find him in the rankings here on UFC. So maybe, maybe that that one loss really screwed him out of that top ten, top fifteen. Because I don't see him out of the bantamweight right now. But he absolutely deserves to be in. I I think you have, if you're 14 and one, you have to be thinking that okay, it is time that we now. Put Sean O'Malley 
in contention against some top five guys to put him up against guys who can help him get into the, oh, there he is, number 14. He's the 14th ranked guy right now. I don't know if that's factoring in his win or not. Still seems low to me. I think if you're 14-1, and one, give me, and I think he called him out. Next fight, logically, Cody Garbrandt should be, or Garbrandt, excuse me, should be Sean O'Malley's next fight. And I, I don't know, man. O'Malley, like you said, he brings the thunder, man. I wouldn't want to be on the edge of one of his strikes, man, because they're, they're brutal. They're vicious in every sense of the fashion. I also think that at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, the the thing with O'Malley, I think he's he's really starting to build a national profile. I think he's really starting to, especially obviously in the UFC community, but I even think it's starting to expand to the casual watchers like me who only see the pay-per-views and, and really don't follow it, you know, so closely. I think he's starting to, you know, you I mean, you look at the guy and you're like, obviously this guy looks you know, different. I mean, he's a, he's a, yeah. he's a character. And so, so when you then see him and the way he, you know, does his fighting style, you know, the, the, the tenacity, the, the striking and all that stuff. I mean, he's, he's, he's really fun to watch. So the thing that is working in his favor perhaps is, you know, a growing national profile, but, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how much farther along he has to prove himself to, to, to get that title shot. Well, the best thing he can keep doing as he is is just keep winning and hope that Dana White takes notice. I think it helped being on a main card again and getting a win. It didn't help that he had to go against Mutino, who took the fight, who was just an unranked challenge in the Challenger Series prior to that. It hurts a little bit, but I think O'Malley is starting to grab, like you said, the attention of the UFC world more. And Before you know it, he'll be in some pretty big fights, and I think Cody Garibrand is absolutely the guy we should be thinking about he lines up next. And good luck, Cody. We're, o- we're an O'Malley. We hate Greg Hardy, and we're O'Malley stands. So it's a big pro Sean O'Malley podcast. Hopefully maybe one day we get him on here. That'd be fucking electric. Oh, man. That would – I can't even imagine. Don't that. even get me going. Even, yeah, that's – I we got to – I don't even know who would hit up to make that happen. But who knows? Maybe maybe there's some folks out there I need to, need to ask around and see. You know, they say Montana is just one big small town. Yeah, there's got to be. I, I did I did see Sean O'Malley once at a basketball game in Butte when Helena was playing the Butte girls or whatever. I did actually no see him. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. He, he was very incognito, and this uh, a friend of mine just happened to be sitting behind the media table. I think it was the state championships when they were in Butte and uh, the year before you came there, and my friend tapped me on the shoulder, was sitting behind me, and goes, hey, like, uh, Sean O'Malley just showed up, and I went to Richie Melby because obviously Richie's going to know everyone, and I went right to Rob, like, Richie, Sean O'Malley just showed up, and I pointed him out. I didn't notice because he had a hat on, incognito, and Richie's like, yeah, that's that's Sean. I'll go talk to him. Richie snags an interview in like two minutes, you know? Unbelievable. Oh, man, that's so good. That's just the Richie way. But, yeah, he's uh, we'll, if, you, if you know Sean O'Malley and you're listening, ask him if he'll come on the Down and Out podcast. We'd love to talk to him. We're big O'Malley fans, and you know, we'd love to have that electric roller coaster on. Um, Please. Yeah, let's. Uh, all right, I think we're good at the UFC. So let's get. Let's go to the home stretch. Let's slide in and get talking a little baseball. You like that little transition? I liked it. On the fly, baby. Home run derby. Home run derby tonight starts off the All Star weekend. And like I mentioned earlier, 
This is why it's one of my favorite times of the year because July, home run derby, all-star softball game, and then the all-star game itself. It's awesome. The the official bracket, just so everybody knows here, so Otani, our boy Shohei, number one overall seed going against Juan Soto from the Nats. Uh, Salvador Perez out of the Royals is the four going against defending champion Pete Alonso at five. Joey Gallo from the Rangers at two going against Trevor Story from the Rockies at seven. Matt Olson, the three seed, going against the arguably the probably the best feel-good story of this entire home run derby and this MLB season. Baltimore Orioles slugger Trey Mancini at the sixth seed. I say we just right start with Mancini. Um, yeah, I, I, he actually is, uh, what I've, as Evan and did a little deep dive, he was not elected or selected to the All-Star team itself, but is here in the home run derby. And man, missed all of 2020, if you guys don't know the story, as he battled colon cancer, over you know 30, 40 rounds of intense chemotherapy, uh, you know, really bleak moments, and the tear that he's been on this season, and for him to recuperate and get himself back to his 2019 form is, like I said, it's 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 not only a feel good story, it's a uh, it's just a, a really. Uh, uh, it's 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 almost it's not like sad emotional if you're trying to get what I'm coming at here like it's like it, it, like watching him step on the field and and have this kind of moment will be like it, it'd be an emotional full moment if that makes sense I don't really I'm not gonna cry when I see Trey Mancini but my let's just say my heart will be full and it's well deserved because that's that's just awesome and I, I'm super happy that he's able and healthy to be competing in this year's home run derby. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like you said, the feel good story of the home run derby and, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I may not shed tears or anything, but that's the thing is that I think it's more, you know, really, if you ask Trey Mancini about it, he would say it's more about, you know, triumph than it is how sad it, it was. Right. I mean, he's, he's here now and, and, uh, and, and Mancini's always, you know, pretty much since he's entered the, the MLB has been, you know, such a really good player. So to see him kind of at least have a moment in the spotlight will, will be really nice tonight. And, and, uh, hopefully, you know, he can, he can smack some dingers and, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think he's, ne- he's going to go super far, but, but uh, I, I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt he'd, he'd have a good showing. It just depends, you know. It's like if, if, if the the baseball gods are on, like if you build it, you will come. If Kevin Costner is walking through the, a cornfield at the right time tonight, we'll get Trey Mancini versus Shohei Otani. Uh, Shohei Otani is everybody's by far favorite, and this dude's been on a tear, leading the MLB with I think now 34 or 35 home runs. That home run he put out, I think on Friday or Saturday at Sefeco against the Mariners. Or like uh, oh Jesus, dude! Just yeah. just unbel- unbelievable power dog and that's the funnest thing to watch it's just like when you know he hits the ball like it's gone and then people's jaws drop not at the rate of home runs he's hitting but just how far the ball goes when Shohei Otani gets it well, and, he, hits home runs, uh, he hits home runs like like damn like he never ever it, I mean he well he does he does have like a few that I can think of I guess but but 95% of his home runs look like he's literally trying to disintegrate the ball mm-hmm. like it's not just a I'm just I, I have a swing that I that I you know whatever and, and I'm and I'm just out there trying to make good contact it is so so crazy how hard he turns through the ball and and I mean obviously it's uh it, it's paid off big time he uh, must have he must have created some imaginary beef with every baseball like like the yeah. hitting coach must just be like listen this guy said your mother is ugly this baseball 
baseball told me your mother's ugly. He goes, yeah, I'm going to destroy this. Like, and every time the, the hit, Angels hitting coach has to come up with a new excuse to get Otani just infuriated. Someone told, when Shohei Otani was like two years old, someone told him that baseballs are evil and they must be destroyed. And, you know, he can't stop his life's journey until every baseball is fucking just uh, annihilated. Um, and it's, it, but, that, that's now the pilot for season seven of Naruto. So I, I'm yeah, ecstatic. Yeah, sounds awesome. I'd watch the fuck out of that. But uh, but but uh, the, the thing is, I will say, is that Juan Soto has actually had like a really, you know, the past like six weeks or so, he's like kind of turned it on a little bit after, you know, a little bit of a slow start mm-hmm. um, compared to what his standards are. I could see Soto giving him a giving him a go. That's know, why. I, well, I, that's the thing about the Derby. It, it's not about how well you do. It's it's all about developing a rhythm and your fatigue. You know, like that. Yeah. The fatigue is the biggest thing, and that's why you always see the big big numbers in the first two rounds or so. For, you know, for for most cases, and I, it's Juan Soto very easily. I mean, if Shohei just comes out and can't get it done in that in that pressure, yeah, Juan Soto absolutely could. Any any one of these guys, Pete Alonso had this incredible turn on where he barely snuck through the first two rounds last year. But it, when it mattered, he, he turned it. He turned it the fuck on, and that, that's all it takes in this home run derby. That's why it's so much fun to watch. Matt Olson, I mean, obviously, just yep. destroys the ball as well. So yeah, and like you said, it's just are you feeling good when it when it when the when when it's your time to bat? And I guess that's what baseball's always been, right? But yep. but yeah, definitely, definitely with the uh, the home run derby and and yeah, I'm excited to watch it this year. I mean, you know, I I, I would say. I probably have only watched maybe one out of the past like three or four home run derbies, but but this year, I mean, there's no question what's going to be on my television uh, when when I guess it's at, I guess it's at like five Mountain Times. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, five. No, actually, it's eight eight o'clock Eastern, so six o'clock so Mountain six Time. Mountain Time. Yeah, there you go. So there it is. There. Obviously, then the All Star Game will follow on Tuesday. All Star Softball Game. It's mostly just celebrities. I don't even know who's playing. It's just fun to watch Bill Nye hit dingers. Honestly, it, it can be kind of. It's 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 a nice <laughs> moment for sure. It's it's fun. Um, I'm trying to see Bill Nye do a bat flip. Yeah, it's it, he he. I think I don't know if he did the bat flip, but he definitely did get a little cocky one year, and he uh, like did a nice little like Bill Nye strut to first, and it's a, it's an electric atmosphere. So we'll see. We'll see how the Mile High City goes. Uh, in terms of like All Star game rosters like every there's no snubs I think everything made sense I didn't hear anything about snubs but it will be sad for the National League team because uh, you know obviously Evan kind of uh, has his fandom towards the uh, Atlanta Braves and sad that we're not only going to not see Ronald Acuna Jr. in the All-Star game but now done for the season after he was just you know starting to really put together what could have been an MVP caliber season yeah you hate you hate to see it to anybody but for it to happen to a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. That, that's a tough loss not only for Braves fans like yourself Evan but that's a loss for all of baseball yeah, it's really, really brutal. I mean, Acuna is, you know, I mean, he's, he's as electric as baseball players come right now. I mean, between him and, like, Tatis and Shohei, I mean, he's one of the most exciting out there. And 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 he also, it just doesn't, as incredible as he is, you know, it, this feels like, you know, uh, as like like Dom kind of alluded to, I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world, but I've definitely paid a bit more attention this year, and and obviously you know have have had eyes on Acuna over the past few years, and it always seems like as incredible as he is, 
there's just been like issues that pop up, whether it's injury or just, you know, general kind of, uh, you know, drama or what have you. It's kind of just not always been the most positive experience with right. him. And it really sucks because there's nothing Braves fans want other than Acuna to be in Atlanta forever and yeah. to be, you know, a, a legend of the franchise. And, and, and it just seems like it seems it seems like that 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 struggles to to happen or at least it has so far and and you know a a kind of just a really bad break ACL tear I mean that that just sucks. I mean that's that's nobody wants to see that. And with a guy like him, it's it's you know I mean it, one of the MLB's biggest stars right now is is now you know shut down for the year and and is gonna you know really gonna have to take. It's gonna be. I mean you know we like to talk about modern medicine being as incredible as it is, and don't get me wrong, it definitely is. But people you know shouldn't forget about the amount of work and the amount of sacrifice it's gonna take for Cunha to to one get healthy in time for next year. And then also on top of that, be at a hundred percent, be the guy that people want to see. So um, just really, you know, wishing the absolute best on the recovery and hope it goes as seamless and easy as possible. Uh, but that's, that doesn't take away from the fact that, yeah, the, you know, Tuesday is going to be missing something and uh, so will the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, because Acuna was an, an elected all star for the Nationals as well. And uh, just that you run through this lineup, too, is so you got Buster Posey, Freddie Freeman, Adam Frazier, Nolan Arenado, Tatis, Acuna, which obviously be a subbed out, Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, uh, the, the starters there. The American League, Salvador Perez, Vladdy Jr., Marcus Seaman, Simeon. <laughs> Simeon, not Seaman. <laughs> That's funny. Put that in the blooper reel. Uh, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Mike Trout, Aaron, uh, Mike Trout obviously not playing, Aaron Judge, Teoscar Hernandez, and Shohei. Uh, Shohei will go both ways. He'll pitch and uh, be a designated hitter. So, I mean, really good lineups, and the, the bench players obviously a lot of fun. The reserves is what they're called. And it, it's, I think it's going to be a really good uh, all-star game. And the thing I love about the MLB all-star game that a lot of people always overlook, the home – the the winner of the All-Star game, that year, like that team or that right. division gets the World Series advantage in terms of home field advantage. So uh, it's funny because like if you're the Angels, like I understand like Mike Trout doesn't really give a shit if he wins because the Angels aren't going to go to the damn World Series. You know, one can only hope. But like I can understand why like Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers, he might just absolutely try to pitch a perfect game within an inning because, yeah, uh, let, let's let's get the NL four-game home series in the World when it comes down to it, you know, and obviously it pay up, paid off in 2020. So uh, it's. I always thought that was cool that there actually is like an incentive in the MLB All Star Game compared to the other, you know. All-Star oh yeah, games for sure. Have. It's the. It's definitely the best idea to because you can't give any more, and you if you give any less, I mean, there's there's. I mean, it's it's not really worth it. So uh, it's it's definitely nice in that regard. Um, just wanted to say real quick, you know, something that I noticed, I remember hearing some cheddar about was, was Joe Madden has apparently, uh, you know, manager of the Angels, has apparently, you know, been kind of, he was trying to make his case for, uh, for David Fletcher as a second base selection. Do you think, do you think Fletcher deserved to, to go, Dom, or do you think Madden is just kind of backing up one of his boys? I, I think Fletcher absolutely deserved to go as a reserve. as a, not, right. and, and I think... I think the problem is is with with Joe Madden pushing as a good manager should, and I'm happy he did. Now with him pushing the Jared, uh, I'm sorry, David Fletcher, 
he did that. The timing was really off because Jared Walsh, who arguably has had a better pound-for-pound pound season at playing first base for the Angels, er, uh, was selected and was pushed in by Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Both uh, voiced their their opinions to get Jared Walsh into the All-Star Game Reserves, and Walsh did get in. So it's the matter of the fact is I, I understand why Madden did it, and I absolutely think Fletcher should be there. The second base position is a little deep just because you have Marcus Simeon, who's had a great year in Toronto. You obviously have, you always got to mention Jose Altuve, who has now shifted over to play second this year for Houston. And as you saw last night in his walk-off, uh, electric, you know, so Jose deserves deserves to be there. Whit Merrifield coming on, having a great breakout year for the Royals. It's it's tough company for Walsh or for Fletcher to be in that conversation right now. And the timing is really what hurt Madden the most, is trying to get him in there. But any other year, and maybe if if, if Jared Walsh isn't already had pushed a case to be in there, yeah, we maybe are seeing David Fletcher there. I understand why Madden did it, but I also am not heartbroken as to not see David Fletcher be in. It's a, it's a position that the Angels have always really struggled to get good consistency at, and David Fletcher uh, is that guy for us. And I, I think that's why... Joe Madden is upset that he's not in there because David Fletcher is such a monumentally important piece to the middle infield and the batting lineup. So I think it's more so frustration that Fletcher has done a really good job for the Angels this year, and unfortunately we just don't we won't get to see it at Coors Field. But I, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Uh, life will go on, and, and that just is what it is. You know, it I, I, it sucks, but whatever. That's my thoughts. I also want to laugh at, you know, just pointing out a couple other things from uh, other the thoughts an- I had. The Angels had. in general? Yeah, go ahead. Laugh. Ha, ha, ha. One game above 500 at the All-Star break. Ha, ha, ha. I, I was talking about the damn, you oh, know, good. All-Star lineups. But, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I I think, too, like one of the feel-good stories of this week for sure is definitely Jesse Winker, who has just been, like, unbelievable this season. You Most know. definitely. He's, he, he, you know, from as far as I can tell, like I, I had heard his name before, and it seems like he's kind of a fan favorite amongst MLB fans. But, but he's obviously just been on a, a different uh, 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 level this season. So cool for him. And then I also want to laugh at the fact that how much people hate the Dodgers just in general <laughs> because there's like the Dodgers are pretty much the same team that they were last year. Like for the most part, you know they're playing fairly well and mm-hmm. and are still really really good. And nobody on the Dodgers made the elected starters list. Um, just like just like <laughs> ah fuck fuck all these dudes. Like I mean they've got like four in the reserves or whatever. But but at the end of the day, it's just like yeah, Mookie Betts, fuck you. Justin Turner, fuck you. Like yeah, all like these, like Mac 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 Muncy arguably could be playing first. Like Freeman Freeman Freeman. Probably deserves it maybe a little bit more than Muncie, and, but maybe. I, and I, I think it's just because Freeman has the name. Like that's that's Freddie yeah. Freeman. He's a, everybody loves him around the All Star time. So I absolutely see why you put Freeman there. But I think if we're just going off pure pound for pound talent right now, like Mac Muncie might have actually deserved that spot. I, I would yeah. I would make that argument. I think I think so too, and so it's just it's just funny to me to see like, all right, we're gonna get four Dodgers in, four Dodgers in the 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 you know the the non pitching uh, lineup. But oh, and you know they're all getting or... booed. They're all of them are getting oh, booed sure. when they get in the game up to the bat. They're all getting booed, and that that's the beauty of the All Star game, and that's why people hate the Dodgers. 
Yeah, it's also funny to see the difference in uh, pitching lineups between the AL and the NL. Like, don't get me wrong, like the AL, obviously, you know, I mean, we're, we, you know, at the end of the day, you're not talking about huge, huge gaps in ability. But the when you look at the AL, line, start, AL uh, starting pitchers lineup and then you look at the NL starting Oh, no, lineup, they, there, there's a gap. I, I'll be the first to admit that. I mean, you, Darvish, having an unreal year for the Padres. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher that, we, that we're probably ever going to see in our, in this time span of our life right now. I'll go to my grave saying that. Uh, Zach Wheeler, incredible year for Philadelphia. Uh, Walker Bueller, Scherzer. Yeah, I forget, I forget about Scherzer. It's just Mr. Consistent. So uh, it's uh, you're, you're abs- I agree with you 100%. They're, the starting pitchers are great for the AL, but the NL is just unparalleled. They, they could maybe go a combined no-hitter, and that'd be sad. <laughs> that would be sad to watch. Be, it'll be interesting to see. I, uh, I also was, you know, I mean, it, it, in some ways, it almost feels like there should be more Red Sox on the. As much as I dislike the Red Sox, it almost feels like there should be more of them. I mean, they've already got three total in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, in terms of Devers, uh, Bogarts, and and uh, JD Martinez. But they right. are just so stupid to watch right now that that I'm surprised it's almost not more. But but uh, but yeah. Uh, it should be fun. I'm. I, this is the most attention I'll, I'll be. I'll have paid to the uh, to the All Star break in, like I said, probably half a decade. So uh, I, I can, you know, I'm, I am actually excited for once. So that's awesome, and that's why we love the game of baseball, baby. Grow the sport. Uh, I mean, I think that just about wraps it up for me. I'm good there. Like we said, go watch Monday, Tuesday night, the All Star Home Run Derby, All Star Game, action packed weekend. Uh, anything you need to say before we wrap up this show here? Nope, I think that's it. Don't be an asshole and uh, tell tell athletes they're fucking trash on on uh, on social media. Don't be that guy. There's there's billions of people who are already doing that. You know, find something else to do. Agreed. So uh, don't be a other troll. Other than that, other than that, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's have a good week and and uh, and and get ready for more sports. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, folks, as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Down and Out Podcast, D-O-W-N, capital N-O-U-T Podcast on Twitter. Interact with us. Talk about what you want to hear us talk about or interact with us. Did you like our take? Did you not like our take? Trash us. Take all your anger at professional athletes and direct it towards the Down and Out Twitter page. Literally, literally do that. Literally, we just let, let let us be the vent. You can trash us. Do not trash the English soccer team. You come, come at us, all right? So go on our Twitter there, Down and Out Podcast. Also, be sure to go check out JD Masters and both Buddha as well. It's YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music, you'll find them. JD Masters Beat uh, 365 Beat Challenge on Instagram is a mega hit. Please go check that out. Go show some love for Buddha. Uh, a great lyricist, and he's got some incredible flows that he teams up with JD Masters on more than just our intro outro song, Man in the Mirror. So, again, go check them out. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you guys coming up uh, later, middle of this week. Thanks for always sticking with us and working around our crazy schedules in life. But until next time, folks, this is Down and Out. It's been real. Arriva Darchi. Later. Seeing all the strings and I hate it. But don't feel sad for a guy that is mad. Get glad and help me turn into a guy like that. Castle, pull up on the scene and cause a hassle. Happy looking at me like, who is this bastard? Cool like guys fix Slam pop like medicine that isn't really yours, but you take it with your friends. Cool, calm, collected, but I love to act hectic. Sitting in the corner in the dark like Riddick with the notepad out, thinking about lyrics. I ignored your story because I didn't want to hear it. Bitch, did you ever really catch a switch where I went from rock to boot a cop vibe?
like a fish Assist like white chocolate Handing out a dish If the devil shows up Then my soul he just wish I might accept the offer Cause I wanna grind like cars And give the trophies to my mama Make him sweat like a sauna Cause act like I can't Then I'ma spit like a llama Take your girlfriend out And give a Balenciaga So check me out Feel me up and watch me bounce Cause the new man in the mirror Is looking like a mouse Switch places Change faces Now who the runs a house Trust hip hop more than bitches So I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine If in front of my God feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield And I'ma make it shine Cause when I'm polished I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant Go through the ceiling Man in the mirror Doubled up Now you all the fuck We go again But when we stop blazing Boom boom Pow pow What you gonna do now Especially when I bring the energy Like it's a powwow Besides find a man Paint your face Cause you a damn clown Look around Only one that is And I'm a wagon now The name is Buddha bitch Damn Uh Look around Only one that is And I'm a wagon now